Welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each week, I talk to treasurers about how they built their careers, where they are now, and where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. In this week's show, delighted to be joined by George Sortel. George has recently been appointed the new treasurer at Servitech. They're a global leader in safety and survival solutions. So if you're ever looking for a life raft, that George is the man to go to and look for. You know, he's very safe, safety conscious. But George, I know we'll go through his background, but just as a quick outline, he's got come up through cable and wireless. He was then in Marsat, UBM, Capita. So a really good career path within Treasury. And in addition to both being MCT qualified, he's also a chartered accountant and law degree. So I've got all those in his back pocket as well. I'm going to let George explain a bit more about that. I was fascinated, actually, we were just doing a chat before the show. But George, you first ever got into Treasury and finance many, many years ago, as it were. Give us give us how you started in Treasury and, and, and finance itself, just for the listeners, if you would. Over to you. Thank you, Mike. Good morning. And thank you for referencing the many, many years ago. <laughs> That's uh, delightful to hear, but it, it, it's true. So yes, I, I did a law degree at Liverpool University, but I it, it wasn't for me. Right. So I... Why was that? I, why, why did you think actually law was not... I felt a, a, it was just a dry subject to me. It, it didn't grab me. Right. But when I finished that law degree... The big accountancy firms were were taking literally hundreds of graduates um, into their training program, and it was sold as a if you if you qualified that you would have a, a good all round knowledge of, of finance. So that's that's what I did. I I secured a, a position at, at Deloitte Haskins and Sells, as it was called in those days in in London, and ideally qualified over the three years. But unfortunately for me, that didn't grab me either. I think that was because I didn't find I got the all-round finance experience I wanted. It was like getting stuck in weeks on end in Wales, auditing the creditors' ledger. Didn't really That wasn't really what I was expecting to, to get out of that three years of, of hard work and, and studying. So it was a bit of a conundrum for me at that point. I'd done a lot of exams and qualifications, but I hadn't lighted upon the career that I that I wanted to, to go on. I didn't know what it was. So I suspect like a lot of Treasury people, those famous words fell into Treasury is, is exactly what happened to me. So I, I started at a company called Delta PLC, yeah. In a small head office in London, it was an international engineering company that didn't have a treasury department. And whilst I started as a, a traditional head office accountant, quickly after I arrived was a treasurer whose job was to establish a treasury department. And to begin with, he needed to, he was in fact head of treasury and tax, he needed to spend his initial months looking at how that department may be set up. And after six months, he started to lay the planks, as it were, for a treasury department. And that's where I realised that this could be interesting and was starting to grab me as, as somewhere where I might like to, to work. In fact, that was 
the treasure was Martin, Martin Smith. Uh, Smith, who yeah. and Tom to to work for Dyson for many years, and and in James Dyson's family office, and you know he gave me that opportunity, and you know was a, was a great teacher and mentor in, in, in my treasury career. So one of the things I did at Delta was I did the first FX deals, the first deposits, I put in a treasury management system. And I did realise at that point that the treasury really was for me. And then I looked at the Association of Corporate Treasury and I liked doing exams at that period in my life. And I started the treasury exams and I can honestly say they were the most relevant exams I've ever done it was because what I was doing during the day helped me with my exams and the the studying also helped me going forwards mm. what I needed to, to do for my work so they they really were very practical helpful exams so I did all of them when I say that I did all of them I was exempt some modules because of my chartered accountancy qualification but I then went on to the next levels and I did them all in one go by the time I finished that and spent a couple of years at Treasury and Delta I realized that it was a small company small department but to expand my Treasury career which I was then set on I needed to move to a bigger company with a bigger Treasury department hmm. that's why I moved to Cable and Wireless who in those days certainly had a Treasury department about 10. Now in those days I was still mostly my, most of my treasury work was around treasury accountancy because of my background. Yeah. But I absolutely wanted to move on from just that narrow part of, of treasury and expand what I call treasury building blocks. I'm talking about front office. And that, that did happen at, at Cable and Wireless quite quickly. So it was, I guess it was a good example of falling into treasury, doing the exams, wanting to learn more. And, that, and that's, that's why I like Treasury. It's the, it's the variety of, of work that it, that it offers. So George, with Cayman and Wireless, it sounds like there were difficulties or as you say, those investments weren't quite up to scratch sort of thing. What did that teach you? What were the examples you can perhaps give the audience about, you know, if someone's in a similar situation in another company, actually, it's not all bad. You're going to learn some good stuff in there even though it's a difficult, challenging situation. But, you know, what were the examples you might give? Well, the, so some of the outcomes that I ended up working on, were there was, there was a few. For example, the cash repatriation that would normally happen in any treasury department wasn't happening at, at Cape and Wireless. So specifically, Cape and Wireless had a big footprint around the Caribbean and further afield. It was, an, it was a colonial company that started over 100 years ago. And those businesses have been left to their own devices, and that included keeping their, their cash. So it was a real challenge to work with colleagues in those areas to explain that it, it wasn't really their cash. And we really needed that cash to come back to the centre to shore up the, the balance sheet. That was challenging for a number of reasons. There were cultural differences, there was the long-term view that that cash was theirs, the cash was quite often tied up with the, the government bank, who was also the biggest employer, who was also typically a shareholder of Cable and Wireless. So it was, it was very unique nuances. Yeah. Yeah. But that was created 
challenges and problem solving. And that's that's one of the reasons why I like Treasury, because there's many areas where there's conundrums that need solutions and seeking your way around that and negotiating and presenting of, of why that is the way to go is a skill that needs to be developed. But once you've got it, it's incredibly helpful to, to have. So I ended up writing dividend papers, new loans in place, ensuring current loans were repaid and extracted a lot of a lot of cash back it was very necessary at that time. The, yeah. the other thing that was a lesson learned was that at that time, there was a lot of loans at subsidiary level, which is probably quite unusual these days. Typically, the companies I see or work for have centralised Debt. But that wasn't the case at Cable and Wireless. And what it became apparent was that because of the situation that Cable and Wireless found itself in, quite severe cut in its credit ratings, was that having the detail of, of all debt terms, wherever that debt that be, at your fingertips, was incredibly important. And what that meant was just I went into my next positions is that's that was things that you needed to have to to hand obviously yeah and then you did as you say you move made that next move you know it was a was it a case of you thought i've had enough of this i need i need a a better you know you went to a bigger better role or was that built on some of the experience you'd had from cable and because you then made the move to Inmarsat. well unfortunately things were were so bad at um cable and wireless that there were waves and waves of reorganisations, re- redundancies, and, and it finally caught up with myself. But frankly, it felt like a merciful release because it, it, it had been a tough environment to work with for a, a year or two. So what was great about Inmarsat, I also learned a lot, was, was my first year there. So Inmarsat in those days was not a listed company. It was a, an NGO. It was about time, about 25 years old. Actually, it was owned by a lot of governments who had put money into creating an organisation to promote safety at sea. And right. this was by launching satellites over oceans so that ships could communicate to each other for safety uh-huh. reasons. However, when when I joined, the company being taken over by private equity, and as we all know, they want to cash, um, cash out yep. uh, in the first uh, two, three, four, five years later. In fact, it happened incredibly quickly at Cable Wireless. So almost a year after I joined, there was a very successful float of that business. And it's actually a bit ironic now that as we speak now, the, the company's being taken, will probably be taken private again by private equity. But going back to my experience, what I learned was some of the techniques that private equity used to polish up a business. So the sell and lease back of the head office there was a lot a lot of focus around cash management and forecasting and then there was the preparation work for the float itself and actually the the, then the execution around cash flows at at the day of the float if you like and and reposition the capital structure so it was less leveraged if, if you if you like to become more PLC like, although one of the interesting things always with 
in Marsat mm. was that it was even after the float, it was actually non-investment grade, and that was a lot of that was because it was complexity in the layers of of the capital structure, the, the different types of debt, and actually what was what I my experience in the in the round in my time at Imarsat was it really more than filled out my experience around debt, whether it, it because there was several t- different types of debt that were put in place during my time there. There was convertible bonds, there was high-yield bonds, there was a regular RCF. There was also loans from the EIB and Exim, that's the US government bank. There was an intercreditor agreement governing the relationship of these pieces of, of, of debt. And so there was a lot of complexity around when waivers needed to be requested for, for good reasons. And it was... It was very interesting working with organisations like the EIB and Exim, who provided, frankly, long-term cheap debt. However, these are not nimble financial institutions like the banks you typically find in your RCF. They were institutions that had different ways, shall we say, of, of making decisions at different speeds of making decisions. So... There was there was some challenges around managing that diverse group of of lenders, mm. uh, and that that gave me plenty of experience around debt and debt, debt management. And you were there for well ten years, so good exactly. good role and built your experience. But you renegotiated the RCF a few times, and it just what came to a natural actually time for the bigger role. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's, a, it's a interesting question that my time in Marsat was um, the team there the under the CFO who was Rick Medlock uh, during all that time it was an incredibly stable team that, that Rick had there was there was very little change and I, I didn't realize that at the, the time it was only after in fact Rick moved on to new challenges that I realized that that was very unusual and actually it was Rick moving that and I discussed what his thoughts of why he was moving and he absolutely needed a new challenge and he was talking about his I remember it well how his his twins I have twins as as well as it happens were starting university and how they were taking the new challenges and how you know he wanted one too and that really resonated with me and I realized absolutely it was time for a new challenge for myself so I started looking and you know I felt I was, I was really blessed with the opportunity I had at UBM PLC that we can talk about later but that that was that was the reasoning and I, I look back now I think I did stay too long in my fact there was a lot of changes a lot of different things that I did I talked about all the different types of of debt but I I would say that if I had my time again I would have I would have left a little bit earlier to seek seek the new opportunities oh. that I, I think all, all treasurers should do. So you made the move and you joined UBM. So in a, what was a rapidly changing or time of change at UBM as a group? Perhaps explain United Business Media for people that don't know what UBM is or you know some of the what the group was like and everything else, if you would. Yeah, it was it was a really interesting time. So UBM was in fact hundred, literally just under a hundred year old company that that had changed its business a lot over that 
time. It, it had owned newspapers. It had held, held shareholdings in television companies. But it, it also, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, started to go into events. And when I talk about events, they're business-to-business events. But more recently, it moved more into those events. And, and generally, that's what it did run B2B events all around the world. And then, for example, it could have been a trade fashion show in New York. It could have been, well, it was a furniture show in Shanghai. It could have been pharmaceutical events in Europe. So different industries in different parts of, of the world. But at that time, the company also had a very big a marketing company in New York called PR Newswire. Mm. So when I joined, it was it was interesting because the new chief executive, Tim Cobbold, had put a really great new strategy in place, which was events first. So I think we can all we all know what might have happened to PR Newswire. Indeed, it, it was very successfully mm. sold during Tim's tenure, which threw up some really interesting work around capital structure and and replenish and and what to do with that the cash that it was was sold for but another a plank of Tim's strategy was centralization it'd been a very decentralized entrepreneurial organization so whilst that entrepreneurial nature was didn't want to stop that there was an opportunity to really centralize so the challenge for me was taking on a new department which which did need some love and care and attention and oh. a bit of an upgrade if you like a really sprawling cash worldwide cash management with 800 bank accounts, some fairly, not new service, shared service centres, but some shared service centre accounting issues due to a recent accounting implementation. So it was looking after the day job and, and really trying to improve that, but also trying to work with the senior leadership team on this new strategy. So it was a real balancing act with sort of vision, looking to the future and being part of that that new strategy, but also trying to give a, a real upgrade to the existing treasury department with a fairly new team, contractors, somebody moves on quite quickly. One of my colleagues was on maternity leave when I arrived. It was a chance to also completely review what what the team was doing and how better it might be set up and, and, and making improvements across the world. It was just, a, I don't know what the magic dust was that UBM had, but the culture was was the best I've ever worked for. I don't know whether it was a media company, but it was a very collaborative organisation. There was a lot of positive energy around making these, implementing the, the strategies. So it was, it was a real joy to work for that company for four years. And four years, time for another change. So you continued the progression, you know, you know did you think, right, actually got enough out of this and maybe you know looking back you'd had 10 years in Marsat so perhaps a bit more progression quicker as it were then you did a couple of other roles or you know talk us through up to now well unfortunately the 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 team at UBM was so successful in implementing the strategy in the round and it did the events market was and still is incredibly fragmented, but ultimately the company was even was polished up so well that Informa PLC made a, a fabulous offer for 
UBM that came to fruition last summer through yeah. the purchase. Yeah. So yes, that that was time to move on again and look at the treasury market and what opportunities with there so i took a i sourced a, a role through my network at capital plc which involved leading a, a transformation project that was right across capita's finance team it wasn't just treasury there were i i was became a, a global process owner for, for treasury but there was many other global process owners for each area of finance accounts receivables payables intercompany finance and so on and it was already a year into that project it was probably one of the largest finance transformations in Europe at the time probably still is it was notionally around moving to one version of SAP to a new version of SAP SAP for HANA but each area of finance contributing in their own areas some efficiencies which would improve Prove finance across capita. Yeah. So for capita PLC, the main plank was putting in an in-house bank operating payments on behalf of. Also, there was a sort of subsidiary project, which was to create an automatic interface between the treasury management system and, in future, the SAP4 HANA. At the time, I was... There, the, the whole of capita, for well-documented reasons, was going through enormous positive change, and that included the Treasury team as well, with a new head of, of, of Treasury and the new director of, of tax and, and treasury. So it was sort of fast-moving, implementing a lot of change, very positive change, trying to become more efficient, more more nimble. And for me, I was I just felt myself as I was the interface between this really quite large transformation team, at least a hundred people in one office, and the treasury team in, in the new head office. So it was really a was facilitator to understand what both teams were doing and, and ensure that everyone was coordinated, working towards the implementation of, of that change. Mm. And then, so you did that as more of an interim role before most recently then you, you headed to safety. There you go. That's a nice little pun. I'll have that one in there. <laughs> you headed to, yeah, That's thank you. Uh, <laughs> a couple of times. <laughs> Explain to the audience, you know, you made the move to Servitech. What, what do they do? So Servitech are a world-leading company that provides technical survival gear hence the name Servitech. and so probably the easiest way to explain is they've got heritage and i think they produced the first ever life jacket yeah. first ever life raft but in other areas apart from the marine industry it's the aviation defense also leisure industry for high-end kayaking equipment they're very international they've got three thousand staff so they manufacture equipment they distribute it and also they they have to service survival gear as 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 you'd expect so there's a lot of regulation worldwide regulation so that's an important part of the proposition they the management have gone through recent change it's there's this very small head office so i'm i'm really looking forward to the challenge working with the new management team to 
put in place you know the best processes I can for the the treasury department in the round it's a small team it's is what I'm using to so it's a really great opportunity hopefully like UBM to make some really impactful efficiencies in the in the treasury department but I think given the size of the the head office I think what's going to be very enjoyable is, is is working with the new CFO to add more than just pure treasury yeah and we've not we've not talked to, to about that but one of the things for anyone who's starting their treasury career is there are opportunities to add to not just treasury skills but wider treasury skills which i call risk management such as insurance and pension and through your ability to have contacts right around the any group you work through through cash management i often find the treasury team without being boastful or showing up tax will be similar they have more contacts treasury has more contacts because it's got to know how it's all its worldwide banks are operating and so as you gain experience it's it's often the case that you can spot other opportunities for the business you work with to be more efficient and I, i'm thinking some of my experience will be useful at this next opportunity yeah and looking towards you know you've you've been through a number of different roles and you've got that expertise if you like within systems and within lots of different things where do you see treasury growing over the next 5 10 15 years as it were I find more and more I come across teams that are very lean and small. And the only way you can really achieve that is by trying to be automated as as, as possible. And, and typically that's that's around cash management, treasury management systems. So so none of this is is particularly new, but I'm I'm constantly surprised on my travels and I've been looking at other opportunities, quite how basic some companies that you might be surprised, I'm not going to name any, are not as efficient and using automation as, as you might expect. So there's there's definitely lots of opportunity for treasury teams to do more and more of this. So that, w- that would be one of the main areas. I've also found throughout my career, I'd say there's much more focus and opportunity around wider risk management as i was just talking to is definitely you're more at the table at board level and just more recognition of, of, of what treasurers do in the round it's not just cash management it's not just debt management it's not just fx and interest rate management other areas that, that treasurers can be impactful as, as well so i think it, it's, it'll just be more of that really more yeah. automation working with with quite small teams really and using that team uh, ethos as a theme there well obviously we're on a podcast hosted by the treasury recruitment company and thinking about people and a part of that what's your when you're hiring when you're bringing people on board in the team what is it you look for you've got obviously a great background with qualified accounts and treasury qualifications good history of great different treasuries what is it you're looking for though when you pick up that cv is it oh actually i want similar to me you know because i know what i'm handling or is it actually i want difference because you know you blend different things or what are you where are you in that process 
I think I think <laughs> anyone should be quite like me, and I think it's, it's that's a that's a bad technique, isn't it, to hire images of yourself? But there again, I could be guilty of that. I think depends on what what level you're recruiting. Either if they're more senior, I'd expect them to be able to do their basics well to have a, a, a treasury qualification. If, if they're if they're more junior at the start of their careers, it'll be that willingness to potentially if they are deciding on a treasury career that they're willing to learn through the association of the corporate treasurers because I, I think that really helpful in their in their grounding but also it establishes a, a great network for them and then you know as i said before you, you tend to work in very small teams so you have to be able to get on with that small treasury team and you have to muck in and cover for, for each other by by definition but also their general communication skills because you do and this is one of the joys of, of treasury you interact with a wide variety of people throughout the, the group so you are an ambassador for treasury and, and sometimes head offices as, as well so those communication skills and the ability to adapt and 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 get on with people and negotiate energy is as well. There's there's always things coming up out of the blue. So it's constant change really. There's periods when it, it, it can be stressful for MA acquisitions and so forth, debt raise, so some resilience. Also I'd say we were discussing this before, but but putting People who will put their hand up to help out maybe on, on new areas, to take on new responsibilities, I, th- I think would would be important. And just general problem solving, not being someone who's happy just to fill in the same spreadsheet week after week, but then, you know, then thinking about that. Yeah. Is that the right way? Do I need to do it so often? Could I do it a different way? Could I automate it? So being proactive and the ability to problem solve. And as we come wrap up today's show, come towards the end of it, I agree with you before, George, that what we'll do is put George's LinkedIn profile link in the show notes so you can connect with him if it's good for both of your networks and everything else. But summarizing your time you've made some really good moves as a treasurer you really got to where you've got successfully and you've done all these things if someone looks back over your profile says do you know what i'd like to have a profile like that or i'd like to wherever they might be they might be beginning of the career a bit further on in it and saying actually okay he made the number one move and then ubm now servitech more recently and things like that what What's the one piece of advice or overarching couple of pieces of advice you might give to those people when they're looking at that and saying, because we've got a lot of younger listeners and you know earlier stages of their careers, they're thinking, right, actually, so what would you tell them? It would be this. I would absolutely, if you, if you feel that Treasury is for you, the Association of Corporate Treasury exams are, as I experienced, are a really great way to get your grounding, your, your platform. I call, I call them building blocks. Right. When you come into a treasury department, you might be doing cash management, you might be in the front office, but trying and use your time wherever you start off and your, your next role in acquiring those building blocks, as, as, as I call them. And then with, with those two platforms, you got a really great chance to have a great career and it may be that you have an opportunity to move into wider 
finance but i would i would say think about i've enjoyed working for different industries you know that's it brings different challenges but at the end of the day cash management is still cash cash management so getting those a variety of, of industries i think helps but lastly just i think i wish i'd done more of it earlier in my career put your hand up for taking on new responsibilities either within pure treasury or what I call wider risk management such as insurance and pension because I, I would and don't be afraid to take them on if, if, if you're offered an opportunity assume it's because you can do it it might be scary because it's new and you don't know how you do but generally I, I think you learn a lot from that yeah and you, and you will succeed in that yeah, it's ideal. And again, as I say, if people look back at your profile, I think they'll see, you know, this this solid treasury career path, but also some really interesting companies in there. And that's how to do it. You know, George has put his hand up where necessary, got the extra exposure and it, it's served you well, as it were. So, well, all that remains for me to say, thank you very much, George. I uh, wish you well in your new role and people can keep an eye out for all your successes. You continue to grow, sir. But lovely to talk to you today. Thanks very, very much for your time. Thanks, Mike. And have a, have a great trip to the States. Thank you, sir.